This is episode number 159 with Michael Bernard Beckwith. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? I just wanted to quickly remind you that if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Mine is Himalaya. For those of you that have not heard of Himalaya, it's an epic brand new podcast app which has so many awesome and unique features no other podcast app has, like episode and channel playlists. It's free, so easy to find new shows, and is really user-friendly. So head on over to the app or Google Play Store to download it today. Don't forget to follow me once you're done so that you can listen to my episodes one day earlier than they're usually released. Pretty cool, huh? Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith is the founder and spiritual director of the Agape International Spiritual Center, a trans-denominational community headquarters in Los Angeles comprised of thousands of local members and global live streamers. This year marks the 32nd anniversary for Agape. He is highly regarded for his teachings on the science of inner transformation And one of the most amazing things about him is he embraces a practical approach to spirituality, utilizing meditation, affirmative prayer, and life visioning, a process he originated. These practices teach us to take the experience of inner peace and awakened awareness into our everyday life. He is also a sought-after meditation teacher, speaker, and seminar leader on the life visioning process. He is an author and has appeared on many shows such as Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, Super Soul Sessions, Dr. Oz, CNN, Larry King Live, and in his own PBS special, The Answer Is You. He is also a member of Oprah's prestigious inaugural, Super Soul 100. And Oprah has named his book Life Visioning in the top 15 books to solve a problem. Pretty amazing, huh? And in today's episode, we chat about his story and how he got to where he is today doing the powerful work that he now does. We talk about what is lucid dreaming and how we can all experience it. This is awesome. You guys are going to love this. We also chat about what is life visioning and how it differs from visualization and how to do life visioning, why it's the human condition to forget and then remember and then forget and then remember and then forget and then remember again, how to inspire others who aren't awake. This is something that I get asked about a lot. The difference between purpose and mission. What is your purpose in this life? He's going to tell you. What is depression and how to move past it? How and why service is key to happiness and inner peace, plus so much more. 
And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 159. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this one comes from Nutrition with Brie and it's titled, Melissa is so inspirational. And she says, I absolutely love all of your podcasts. I learn so much from each and every one of them. I'm so glad to be able to learn new information all the time, and I absolutely love all that you do. You always have the most inspirational guests to help educate everyone further and the best Monday motivations. I'm so blessed to have access to listen to these amazing episodes. Much love, Brie. Brie, thank you so much for that beautiful review. I'm very, very grateful. And you're right, we're so lucky and blessed to be able to have access to all of this amazing information right at our fingertips. So thank you so much for leaving that beautiful review. I'm very grateful. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, head on over to iTunes and leave your review right now. You can press pause, jump on over there, leave a review, and then come back here to listen to this amazing episode with the one and only Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith. Welcome, Michael. I am so excited to have you on the show today. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? (laughs) What I had for breakfast? I had a a morning drink that I make in the morning before I go to the gym. It's a maca with cacao, golden milk, plus some cinnamon, almond milk, along with some uh, XCT oil and some brain oil from from the Bulletproof. And that's what I drink before I go into the gymnasium. Mm. And then then when I come home, I have a little power shake that I make with uh, pure synergy and avocado and almond milk and blueberries and things of that particular nature. That was my breakfast. Oh, yum. That sounds delicious. Now, I've actually been to Agape in LA, and it was one of the most amazing experiences that I have ever had. It was so beautiful. And for anyone who hasn't had the chance to go, I highly recommend it. And I'm sure we'll dive deep into that in this call. But can you take us back? Tell us your story and how you got to where you are today doing the work that you now do. Wow. Agape this month is celebrating its 32nd anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Yes. I will be at the helm of Agape for 32 years, which seems like five minutes to me. So if we go back, I had a spiritual awakening when I was attending, as I was attending a USC psychobiology major, and I began to have a series of inner experiences that totally shifted in my life. And in one of the experiences, I was killed in a lucid dream, and I died. It's very painful, physically and emotionally. And when I woke up, I could see that we were surrounded by a, a presence of love, beauty, and intelligence. It totally shifted my perspective on life, and I began to study primarily to find out what had happened to me. And then as years went on, and I began to integrate the different insights that were occurring, 
one thing led to another. I became a spiritual therapist, began to help people one-on-one. Over the years, following happened, and I finally gave up my resistance to actually start a spiritual community. In the beginning, I was not trying to be a public figure. I was just having a private love affair with this presence. I call it the presence that's never an absence. So I'm giving you the short version of some very intense moments, very intense embracing of inner experiences that took place so that primarily when I'm teaching and working with individuals, it's really not from book knowledge as it is more from direct encounter with this life, this intelligence, this beauty, this love that wants to know itself as each and every one of us. So it's been 32 years now. Wow. So how old were you when you had that life-altering experience? I was a senior at USC. I was, how old was I? I don't know, early 20s. Mm. Yeah. And for someone who has never heard of lucid dreaming, can you please explain what is that? Lucid dreaming is when you're having a dream, but you're conscious in the dream. You're awake, even though you're, you're, you're dreaming. So I'm able to see what's going on around me. I'm very conscious about what's happening. I can look down and see my hands and my feet. In some cases of lucid dreaming, I can actually choose to go places and visit. So this lucid dream that I had back in that day happened almost every night for a long period of time. And these two men, three men were chasing me in this dream, but I always woke myself up before they could get to me. But every night they were a little bit closer to me. Then at one point I could see the outline of their faces. I turned around and I saw this very small tent with thousands of people trying to get in this small tent. And I knew every single person in line. And I said to myself, I'm not going to run because all of these people are my friends and they can help me. And one by one, they turned their back on me. Two men held me down. One plunged a knife in my heart. The pain was excruciating and I died. When I woke up, that's when I could see differently. The animate and inanimate objects glowing with the presence of such brilliance. So that's a lucid dream. I have other ones as well. I have lucid dreams. Sometimes the other night I was in a lucid dream, but it was a friend of mine who had passed over and I was with her and we were having a wonderful time, even though she had died. But it was very real. I mean, I knew she was there. It was very, very alive, very conscious. So lucid dreaming is not like other kind of dreams where you subconscious may be giving you messages and things of that particular nature. This is you're absolutely awake, but you're dreaming at the same time. Okay. So how do you do it? Like, how do you get yourself into the state where you can lucid dream? Well, if you want to practice lucid dreaming, then what happens is once you kind of realize you're dreaming, then you look, one one technique is to look for your hand. Find your hands, it becomes like an anchor point, and you become aware that you're dreaming, but you're awake. And once you're able to do that, then you can make a decision. You can say, you know what? I wanna I wanna walk down this hallway, or I wanna go fly over the ocean, I wanna go see something. And then you find that you can actually do that. Now, some of that is lucid dreaming, some of that is astral traveling. For me, it just kind of happens spontaneously during that particular period of time in my life. 
I would find myself out of my body and I would travel and see things. And then in, in that particular case I just described, that was a lucid dream. That wasn't astral travel. That was actually a lucid dream in which I became very conscious in it. And if people want to do that, there must be, I believe, some kind of grounding in the awareness that life is for you. You don't have a lot of fear or anxiousness about what you may encounter. You must rid yourself of the belief that there's something out there that's stronger than you are, that's bigger than you are, because as a spiritual being, there's nothing <laughs> that is more bigger than you are. But we have sometimes a very small perception of ourselves, so we think there's things out there that are much more powerful than we are. Wow. So it is possible for everyone to experience this? Oh, absolutely. Everyone dreams every night. They just don't remember. Mm. And so what we can begin to do is you can begin to, when you wake up in the morning, quickly try to remember what you dreamt about and write it down. And you'll start to develop a memory pattern that will, as you wake up, you'll remember more and more and more and more until you're able to actually remember to wake up in your dream. Sometimes you can actually, before you go to bed at night, give yourself a, a message or, a, or an order to remember your dream or to dream about an answer that you need in your life. So you can actually use that particular time to benefit yourself and your spiritual growth. Wow. Yes, my husband and I, we wake up in the morning and we often talk about our dreams and we're laughing at the, right. <laughs> the hysterical things that we do and we say, and it's hilarious. But we went through a period actually where we were saying before we went to bed every night, I'll see you in my dreams. Right. And it's so interesting because we were saying that. We weren't even really meaning much by it. We, we were just kind of like, I'll see you in my dreams, darling. I love you. Good night. And we'd have a kiss. And then those nights where we said that, we actually were in each other's dreams. And it was right. just so powerful when you set that intention. So I love that. You've really inspired me to explore this. Another thing that I do love doing is waking up and writing down what I dreamt about. I think it's really powerful and there's a lot of insights in there. Yeah, there, there are some people that actually use that extra time to meditate. They'll actually wake up in the dream and meditate. So oftentimes their day may be very busy. They don't get the meditation time in that they would like. So they do it in the lucid dream. They're conscious and they have pinpoint awareness and they go for it. So it has a lot of benefits. Mm, wow. I'm gonna, I've had a friend who told me about this years ago and he was doing it, but I kind of thought, oh, I can't do that. I kind of just told myself, oh, no, I can't do that. But you've really inspired me. I'm going to explore it. Please. Please do so. <laughs> so besides the profound realization that you had after that first powerful lucid dream, you know, you just saw love and, and oneness and presence and in everything, what other messages have come through in your lucid dreams? Oh my God. This, I've had many, I don't like to call them experiences, but many encounters with the presence that's never an absence. I call, call it falling awake. As I was going to sleep, I woke up and I could see the luminosity in all beings. And I traveled around the world and I can see everyone's light. I could also see the ceiling, the person's belief that was preventing the light from shining fully. 
And so all night I was traveling and seeing my friends and family and associates and people I didn't know. I could see this light and I was assisting and trying to help the light break through. I even went to the Dogon tribe and I could see that their perspective on life was different. It was much more expanded. So when I came, when I came back and I came back to Michael's body, I woke up and I said, oh, I'm Michael now. And I could see the light around beings, and it lasted for you know a long period of time, just seeing that. So that that happens, and that happens oftentimes when I'm speaking, when I'm uh, giving a message. There'll be a moment where uh, suddenly I can look out and I can I see the beings in the audience, but I'm actually seeing the brilliance that's emanating from them, and then I'm seeking to activate that so it becomes conscious in them. But it, so for years, there's been many encounters. Matter of fact, one of my next books is going to be about that. I'm going to actually share a lot of personal moments of encounter that I've had from the 70s up to present moment, because there's been many. And I don't want to take them for granted. You know, I never really shared that much because I don't want people's attention to be focused on me. I want people's attention to be focused on the divinity that's within them and that there aren't really any special people. There's only people that have specialized their attention. But I'm going to go ahead and release that book and, and share some of the things that have happened over the years that are really near and dear to my heart. Mm, beautiful. Can't wait to read it. When you do speak on stage, you 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 glow, you know, you have this white light around you. Do you feel like you're channeling something? Like how would you explain when you're up there and speaking in front of thousands of people? What's coming through you? Well, first of all, there's preparation in meditation. I, I meditate and I open myself up to the presence speaking through me. So as I get up to speak, I, I yield to this presence that is the presence of love, God, beauty, light, intelligence, whatever name you, you choose to call it. Now, years ago, back in the 80s, early 90s, I would call it channeling. I'd be opening myself up and, and, and let whatever wanted to flow come out. Now it's more, I've more integrated into that higher state. So it's not that I'm channeling something. I'm actually letting my higher self come through. I'm letting the presence come through as my very life and being. So it's more of a, it's more of an activation. Something's being delivered through and as me. And, and, what's, and, and the words are carrying an energy of activation for people that, that are listening either online or in person. And this, they're actually being activated by this profound presence that's everywhere that I've given myself over to. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Now, you've coined this term life visioning. So can you tell us what is life visioning? Life visioning is a spiritual technology by which we become available to what's trying to emerge in our life. It's different from visualization. Visualization, we actually use our creative imagination to visualize something we would like to manifest in our life. We see it, we articulate it, we feel it, and we hold that space until it comes into manifestation. Visioning is the next stage. Visioning is saying that there's something within us already that wants to come through us and that we are activating our spiritual faculty so that we can see it, we can then articulate it, we can feel it, 
and then give it permission to come forward. So it would be like if an acorn did life envisioning, the acorn would see an oak tree and then give itself over so that the oak tree could come through the acorn. The acorn would have to die in order for the oak tree to come through. Well, in that same fashion, we're loaded and coded with a brilliant destiny, talents and gifts that are uniquely ours. And oftentimes they get hijacked by the status quo. Our mind gets hijacked by parental fantasies, society fantasies, what we think we should do. And so the life visioning process brings us back to what's within us already and wants to come forward. Choices that we made before we even incarnated. So we become open and receptive to that coming forward through us. So it's the next stage beyond visualization. It's visioning. Mm. It's transformational as well because we have to ask questions about our own becoming. So in other words, in the life visioning process, you would go through a meditative process and feel that you're surrounded by safety and love. Then you would ask the question, what is it that's trying to emerge through me? Or what is life's idea of itself as my life? And we would then sincerely listen with the ear that's beyond the ears and feel it with our heart. And it would start to activate our spiritual faculty. And we learn to articulate that. And then we would ask the question, you know, what is it that I must become in order to outpicture this vision? That makes it a transformational technology because we're then going to have to give ourselves permission to become that. What gifts do we already have to be in service to the vision? What is it that we must let go of in order for that vision to manifest? We have to tap into deep states of willingness, deep states of saying yes to it. And then once that occurs, the vision process does not end at the moment that we actually stop visioning. Again, the vision may speak to you when you're dreaming. You may be on the freeway. Suddenly an idea bursts forward because of your receptivity. So there's a constant dance between catching the vision and the willingness to become what's necessary for the vision to manifest. So it's a powerful technology of transformation, insight, and clarity. Oh, I love this so much because I do a lot of visualization, particularly when I'm slipping from the unconscious to the conscious in the morning, when I'm just kind of laying there and I realize that I'm you know, coming back into my body. I do lots of visualization there. I do visualization at the end of my meditations. And then just when I'm driving, like you said, you know, I do that in my mind. But this is like, this is the next level. This is really exciting. This is really powerful. So let's just break it down. So you get into that meditative state. You ask the question. Right. You listen. Right. And then you ask Another question, like, what do I need to become in order yes. for that to unfold? Absolutely. You see, the, the way the universe operates, the universe is the outpicturing of the order of the mind of the infinite, and it will answer any question that you ask. And so most people ask disempowering questions. They'll ask what's wrong or who's to blame, why me? In the life visioning process, we're asking empowering questions. We're asking, you know, what is it? that's trying to birth itself through me? What wants to emerge in my life? What is the vision that I hold? So we begin to ask that question. It sets something in motion and the answers begin to come. And then we ask, you know, what is it that I must become in order to manifest this vision? Now that question, when asked sincerely, it starts to 
give you your growing edge. It shows you where you need to grow in order to manifest the vision. Because here's the rule. You cannot have what you're not willing to become in consciousness. You can manipulate for a while and get stuff, but unless you actually grow into that frequency, you won't have it permanently. So asking the question, what must I become, opens yourself up to that. And then you ask, what is it that I already have that can be in service to the vision? Why is that important? Because there's a, a law that says, it's in, it's, in the, it's in the Bible, and people sometimes think it's harsh, but it's actually just a law that says, to he or she who has, more shall be given. But to he or she who has not, even that which they have shall be taken away. And it's basically a law of vibration saying, if you believe that you have it, more comes to you. If you believe or feel you don't have it, then what you have is taken away. It's not personal. It's just lawful. So when you ask, what do I already have that can be in service to the vision? You start to vibrate at the feeling tone of having. The universal law matches that feeling and you start to have more. Then you ask, what is it that no longer serves me that I can now let go of? This is an awareness technology. You start to become aware of habits, conversations, complaints, things that you may have grown unconscious to, but they don't serve you anymore. And once you become aware of them, they can fall away. So now you're articulating a vision. You're asking what you must become. You're asking what do you already have that can be in service to the vision? What resources, what talents, what gifts? What do I no longer need? And then you tap into the feeling tone of willingness. Here's the rule. This is the law. If you know what, then you'll know how. A lot of times people want to know how to do something before they know what. <laughs> and so we don't want to do that. We want to know the what. Once you describe the what, the how will follow. You'll be guided as to what to do. You'll meet people. Things will serendipitously and synchronicity will be activated and, and you'll be pulled into right action when you, when you ask the right questions. And then you go into a deep sense of gratitude deep sense of feeling that it's already done, and you, and you watch the vision unfold. It literally changes your life and pulls you into a greater expression. Now, the person that starts the visioning process is not the same person that completes it because transformation happens. You actually become changed. You're transformed. And that's what, that's what these technologies are all about, being transformed. I'm so excited to do this. I'm so excited. I'm like, cannot wait to do this this afternoon. I'm just bursting to do it because I know for me, there's something bubbling away. Something really huge is bubbling away within me at the moment. Yes. And I'm kind of like, is it a creative project? Is it this? And then I'm, I'm kind of like, so oh, maybe it's that collaboration. Maybe it's that. But I haven't actually taken the time to sit and do this process. And I'm sure if I do, that it will present itself to me. So I'm really excited to do it. Absolutely. See, the broadcast is happening perennially. It's 24-7. There's an eternal broadcast from the mind of the infinite. And there's a broadcast about you specifically. 
just like every leaf is unique, every blade of grass is unique, and, and it has its own unique expression of the divine, there's a broadcast for you. But we're at the stage of our evolution where we have to participate in it. A tree is, is uh, as sacred as a tree is. It stays in yes. It just, yes, it becomes what it's going to be. But we have to consciously say yes because our mind has been hijacked by worry, doubt, fear, scarcity, lack, separation, status quo-ism. So we have to actually take our minds back and actually embrace our sacred yes so that we're participating in our own unfolding. So yes, something is trying to happen through you. It always is. Mm, absolutely. And I talk a lot about this as well. You know, this is this is like beyond goal setting, beyond visioning. This is like yes. with every sense, yes. viscerally feeling as though you've already got that. I love that because I talk a lot about that as well. You know, I say acting as if when feeling it, like feeling grateful for whatever it is that you you desire, like feeling the gratitude and, and really feeling it in every cell of your entire body, like it's already there. And yes. that's that's part of this process too. Absolutely. Gratitude is definitely part of the process. You know, I tell people sometimes, you know, sometimes you may have, your, your parents may have said to you, you know, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Well, <laughs> the law says, if you don't stop being grateful, I'm going to give you something to be grateful for. So if, if you hang out in it, then the universe will vibrationally match that gratitude. So you don't have to be grateful for something. You just have to be grateful and then something will show up. It's consciousness precedes form. That's a law. Consciousness happens before the form. So if you hang out in gratitude and thanksgiving, then the forms that follow will match what you're being grateful about. Mm, this is so powerful. So why do you think so many people don't do this or have so much resistance to this type of work? In individuals, people were born into a field that has an imprint on it. And that imprint it's a societal imprint, it's history, it's a parental imprint, it's a familial imprint. And so when we first come into the planet, we're navigating and acclimating to the imprint that's there. We're, ac we're, ac we're acclimating to history. And so oftentimes people just follow lockstep with that imprint. So spiritual awakening is about breaking free from the imprint of history and living an unprecedented life living a life that's never happened to before. So you're not just living history. You're not just living what's already happened. That's a wasted incarnation to just walk in the status quo and do what's already been done. And so individuals that aren't conscious yet do that unwittingly. They do it unconsciously. They don't know they're doing it. They're just living life. You know, there's so many zombie movies out probably because so many human beings are zombies. They're just walking through life, walking lockstep in the status quo, like a zombie-like life, looking at reality shows and looking at things outside of themselves to make themselves feel happy. But when you begin to, to wake up, you, you, you realize that you're here to live an unprecedented life. Everything that you can see with your eyes is called history because that was once an idea in somebody's mind and then it became form. 
the life we want to live hasn't been seen before. That's why we do visioning. So we can catch that which is invisible but real. And then it becomes the activity of our awareness. So the average person is still living in the status quo. But the universe, here's the saving grace. The universe is progressive. So it either drives you by pain or pulls you by insight. Those are the two ways we grow, pain or insight. It just so happens that so many people grow through pain. They have a crisis. Sometimes you call it the midlife crisis or whatever. But it just means that the progressiveness of life is tired of your stagnation and it's creating an emergency for you to wake up from. Why is it that the human condition is that we are awake, we're asleep, we're awake, we're asleep, we forget, we remember, we forget, <laughs> we remember? Why? Why is that? Well, this presence, by whatever name we choose to call this presence, this presence, one thing it can't do, it can't make a robot and it can't make automatons. The life essence that's within us, we have to discover it for ourselves. So we wake up and then we fall asleep. We wake up. We fall asleep until we stay awake for longer periods of time so that we're actually, we're actually awakened beings by choice. Because people will sometimes say, well, if the universe, if the presence is so perfect, why is there suffering? Why can't we just stay awake? Well, the, the presence can't make a robot. It, it makes you able to discover it yourself. So therefore, you have free will, which means you can go to sleep. You can wake up, you can go to sleep, you can drug yourself, you can go to happy hour, you can do all of these things to keep you from feeling pain, but eventually the desire for awakened consciousness supersedes the desire to numb yourself and not feel pain, and then you stay awake for longer periods of time. Mm, so interesting, so interesting. So what can we do, you know, if there's someone that we deeply love that we can see is very asleep, what can we do? Well, first of all, we cannot intervene in someone's life. We can see the truth about them. We can see them as divine. We can set something in motion by holding a prayer field about them. But primarily how we wake people up is by being a, a vibrational example like once you begin to wake up yourself as you're doing and you're, you have all of these people that are listening to you, your vibration is raised and it affects people. The thing about it is when you start to wake up, you're no longer neutral. You affect people. People either can't stand being around you or they love being around you because you're no longer neutral. So we become vibrational examples. And then that helps people wake up to the glorious nature that's within their own being. And then see, if we, if we try to intervene, People resist. But once somebody sees that you're glowing and they begin to ask you a question, once they ask you a question, that means they're allowing you in and now you can begin to share, which means you're sharing to a receptive mind. If you try to share to an unreceptive mind, they will take what you're saying and use it against you. You see? Yes. In a lot of the Vedic knowledge, they talk about waiting for worthy inquiry. And waiting for that inquiry for someone else before you kind of open Pandora's box. But I found for myself, you know, it's really pulled on my heartstrings when it's been people, you know, like I have a 12-year-old stepson and my parents, you know, when it's people you so desperately love and and want to support, but 
you're absolutely right. You cannot intervene with their process. Their soul is on its own journey. And all we can do is be that vibrational, high vibrational, awake being and and yes. and maybe they'll inquire and maybe they won't. It's that's their journey. That's their journey. So you love them. You don't you don't close your heart. You you, you draw the circle big enough so that they fit in it and you live your life full out so that your 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 energy is an energy of activation. And then a question will come one day. Mm. Why are you happy? <laughs> and and all this bad stuff seems to be going on, but you still are able to maintain a certain level of peace and happiness. What's going on with you? <laughs> yeah, it's like you become a magnet because people just, yeah, like you said, you walk into a room and people want to be around you because the energy that is vibrating from you is just so attractive. Absolutely. It's radiant. Exactly. So. I'd love to hear what is your definition of success? I'm a huge believer that everyone's definition is needs to be redefined by them. So I'd love to hear what's your definition of success? To me, real success is the embracing, the discovering, embracing, cultivation of your gifts and, and sharing of those gifts. When you are activating your potential, you come into states of bliss. You come into states of bliss as you share those gifts. And then those gifts, whatever your particular gifted nature is, it provides the condition for greater health. It provides the condition for greater prosperity. It provides the condition for, for greater rich friendships and comradeships and collaborations so that the different structures of your life, relationship, uh, health, uh, uh, prosperity, creativity, they become activated through an individual discovering who they are and sharing it. So success isn't about accumulation. It's not about appeasing our acquisitive ap appetite and getting stuff. Real success is about giving. It's about activating the gifts within you and circulating them and sharing them so that you go into states of bliss and ecstasy and provide a vibrational example of what's possible in the human in the human dy dynamic. Mm, beautiful. Do you believe everybody's purpose, like their deep core purpose, is to be of service? Oh, absolutely. Everyone has the same purpose, but people have different missions. Right. You see. Okay. So we all have the same purpose. That we all have the same purpose, and that is to reflect and to reveal the cosmos in a way that we can do it. The cosmos with a K. Cosmos with a K is the undifferentiated wholeness of infinite possibilities. Cosmos with a C is the visible expression of the multidimensional universes, the solar systems, the galaxies, the living biology, all of nature. That's the cosmos. So we're all here to perfectly reflect the cosmos with a K. And or somebody may say the divine, you know, as only we can, but we all have different missions. And so uh, somebody's mission may be to to heal. Somebody's mission may be to inspire. Somebody's mission may be to teach. Somebody's mission may be to inspire and heal through music. Somebody's mission might be to be an avenue for inspiration through teaching or whatever the case may be. But we all have different missions, but we have the same purpose. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. You've just like, I can see, I can hear everybody like just these light bulbs going off because a question that, you know, often comes up in, in this personal development and spiritual world is, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And you have just 
defined it for everyone. Everybody's purpose is to be of service. And the way that you do that, the way that you package that is unique to you and you get to put that bow around it. And and like you said, whether it's through writing books or music or whatever it is, that is unique to you. But deep down, the purpose is to serve. Absolutely. When we activate potential and express, we stay in higher and higher states of bliss. And when we're in great service, the you know the 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 chemicals that are released through the body temple are tonic chemicals, the endorphins uh, that 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 begin to come through us, the enzymes they amplify our immune system, they make us stronger, they slow down the aging process. So being of service breaks down the sense of separation between one and another, activates bliss, and we're we're much happier when we're in service than when we're out here just trying to to accumulate and get stuff. And I know for myself personally and my husband who went through a really hard time last year, he was going through a very dark and depressed time. He had this awakening, this realization that all of the suffering was because he was focusing on himself and he wasn't being of service. And as soon as he had that realization and flicked the switch from focusing on himself and suffering and poor me and why me and being of service. And he just went out there and was just helping other people and just being of service to anyone he possibly could and online and through his music. He has completely shifted. Right. And I know for me, when I'm feeling like feeling down or depressed, it's usually because I'm focusing on myself. And yeah. I'm not I'm not focusing on being of service. Absolutely. Oftentimes depression is an energy that's been depressed, it's not being expressed. And so once you begin to serve, you go from depression to expression. And the energy, since we're energetic beings, that energy gets circulated at higher and higher levels. And you you come out of depression into great expression. So as you say, when, when a person that's wrapped up in themselves makes a very small package. <laughs> but when you're wrapped up in service, you expand your package and more and more energy can flow through you. So your, your husband found that out. So I, I tell people, you know, if you're, if you're into me, poor me, poor me, go out, find someone to be of service to and watch that energy change. And then you find good happening in your own life. Mm, and. I also realized over the past couple of years that, you know, although, you know, I write books and I speak on stage and I've got my podcast and my social media platforms where I am serving and helping others, that it doesn't have to always be grandiose as well. Like I can be of service to my 12-year-old stepson. I can be of service to my husband. And it's almost like if I can't even do it in my home environment, then there's something that I need to look at there because often I have been like, oh, I've got to go and do this and do this. But am I actually serving my husband right now? Does does he need my support with something or does my little boy need support with something? So it doesn't have to be so grand. It could right. be in your home environment and then in your local community. Absolutely. The, the, the spirit doesn't know quantity. It only knows quality. So if you're putting your full attention into being of service to your child or a neighbor or a friend, that quality ripples out through, through, through eternity. 
Mother Teresa said something along the lines of, you don't have to do great things, you just do everything greatly. Mm. You know, you put your full attention into what you're doing, and then the entire presence gets to express uh, in that powerful way. And you start to be a channel as, as able to hold more energy, you know, and then you, you find yourself able to so-called do bigger things because you're able to hold that, that, that magnitude at a higher capacity because of how you've given to something that may seem small or minute. There's really no, it's just like in acting. There's no small roles. You know, you have to put your full attention to whatever role you're being called to do. Life is the same thing. There's nothing big or small. It's just, are you putting your full attention there or are you not? Mm, I love that. I'd love to hear now, what is something that's bringing you the most joy in your life right now? First of all, I love what I get to do on a regular basis. I get to stand up and teach and heal. And I don't take it for granted. I don't feel entitled. There's no sense of grandiosity about it. It's just a sense of gratitude and thanksgiving that I have the opportunity to do what I do. So every time I, I, I get to do it, it's like a deep sense of, of gratitude and humility and thank you. I get, I get to do this, you see. And so right now, Agape is moving. We've moved into another location. So there's a great sense of adventure around that as we're stabilizing in, in our new spot at Saban Theater over on Wilshire Boulevard. And I just started another class this past week online and in person. And, and as, as, just stepping into that room of all those people, there was just a great sense of joy and bliss that took over, took over my body, all of my subtle bodies, like glowing with the possibility of who these people will become. You know, I, I can see who they will become. And that gives me a great, great, great degree of joy. I love my children, you know, and, and how close they are to each other. Some, that makes me happy. I love the love that I see in my community in terms of a lot of these people would not even know each other if Agabi hadn't existed because they all come from such different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different, obviously different ages, different colors, sexual orientations. They're all together in one room celebrating the divine presence. That gives me a great joy. Because they're establishing meaningful friendships and relationships with people that they would never have the opportunity to even meet. You know, Howard Thurman said something very powerful a number of years ago. He said, it is impossible to love humanity in general. That's abstract. You have to love humanity in particular, which means you have to love the person you're with. And you have to love people that you don't even know, people that are around you. And so when I look, when I step into the field of agape and I see all these different kinds of people meeting each other, loving each other, they are learning to love humanity in particular and not some abstract, oh, I love humanity. You can't love humanity that you don't know. You can only love humanity that you do know, you know. So there's so many things that bring me joy. Mm. I love it. How many children do you have? I have two. And then I've had the opportunity to be in the lives of uh, two others that you would call stepchildren and, and, and their children. And now I don't even count. <laughs> I don't even count the godchildren that I have, the children, yeah. the grandchildren. It's uncountable, you know. 
Oh, so beautiful. And how old are your two children? Uh, they're adults, and I wouldn't even know. I think my daughter's 30-something and my son's 40-something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. I, I'm not interested in age, and age is interested in me. And I don't know how old they are. I would, I would probably lie about their age. <laughs> and, and are they involved in Agape in the community? Yes. Mm-hmm. My, my daughter is an, is an actor and a stylist, and she creates agape wear, agape t-shirts and hoodies and things like that. And my son is a DJ. He was uh, the original DJ for Macy Gray and Freestyle Fellowship. And he, he works part-time at Agape and, and does other events out in the world. So they're, they're good people. Oh, beautiful. Now, I'd love to hear, is there something that you're working on consciously within yourself at the moment? I think I'm always working on something within myself. Probably at this stage of my development, I'm always working on levels of receptivity to the presence having access. I have great access to the presence, but to me, I'm always just beginning. I'm always holding on to beginner's mind. And so I'm a perpetual student. So I'm always seeking to be more available through meditation, available to uh, purer and purer states of consciousness. So I would say just receptivity to more transforming knowledge and creative intelligence, receptivity to more abundance, just being more available uh, on those levels. Beautiful. Now let's pretend that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides Uh, all of your amazing books, let's pretend that they're already in the curriculum. What is the one book that you would choose? There's a book, God, you know, you're really making this difficult because there's a couple of them that I would love. I know. You can share a few. There's a book called This Thing Called You by Ernest Holmes that really is a very simple book, but it really carries the vibration and the information of everything we're talking about in this conversation. It really goes into who we are. It goes into how to live life. It goes into our thought processes. It goes into levels of practice. I would definitely put that into the curriculum, this thing called you. And then there's a book called The Man Who Tapped the Secrets of the Universe. It's by a man called Glenn Clark, and it's about a mystic named Walter Russell. Walter Russell is one of the greatest mystics that ever came out of America. And many people don't even know who he is. But he was um, an individual that discovered uh, things in the periodical table before people knew about them. He uh, had achieved high states of cosmic consciousness. He was a multimillionaire. He invented the duplex. Uh, he was the ice skating champion at the age of 69 years old. He put his art in the Smithsonian Institute, sculpting and painting. So he was able to plumb the depths of creativity, prosperity, architecture, science, chemistry. A great, great, great being. And his simple way of living is in that book, The Man Who Tapped the Secrets of the Universe. And then I would throw in. The Man Who Talked with Flowers. Again, it's a by Glenn Clark, but it's about George Washington Carver. And the reason this is so important, because most people think George Washington Carver was a scientist. George Washington Carver was a mystic. He would wake up every morning at four o'clock, 
he would go out into Mother Nature and he would ask Mother Nature to reveal her secrets to him. And he would. And then he would go into his laboratory and prove them. And so, so many modalities of healing from the peanut and from flowers came about through his direct encounter with the presence. And most people don't even know that. They think that he was actually a scientist that went in and did a trial and error kind of scientific things. He never did that. He got direct downloads, and then he went into the studio and proved it. So I think with those three books, you have access to a description of who we are and very subtle and profound practices of how to actually apply it and activate it in our own life. Mm, Amazing. I'm definitely going to check those out. I haven't read any of those. So we'll link to them in the show notes as well as all of your amazing books and programs. Absolutely. You can get them right right there in Alice's Quiet Mind Bookstore. You can get them right there in Agape. They're right there. Oh, beautiful. Now let's talk about how your day looks and in particular your morning routine. I love hearing about how people prime themselves and set themselves up for the day. So do you have a morning routine and can you share it with us? Oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty boilerplate. When I when I wake up and stretch, I put my feet on the ground and I I take a deep breath, I lift my arms up and I go into a deep state of gratitude for my life. I just become very 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 grateful that I exist. And then I open myself up and I ask for my assignment for the day. I, I say something along the lines as I'm a, I'm available to whatever my specific assignment is today. Use me. And then I ask for help as I'm asking for help to do my assignment in a very high quality manner. That's when I just first wake up. And then I'll hydrate. I drink water. I take my systemic enzymes. And then I began to make my drinks that I'm going to drink when I go to the gymnasium. I like using the word gymnasium rather than gym for some reason. People laugh at me when I say that. (laughs) It's very cute. I go into the gymnasium. And so then I I make my drinks. And then before I leave the house, there's a space where I sit to meditate. And I'll sit and have a brief meditation that may be anywhere from 10 to 22 minutes. And then I go to the gym. I work out. Then I'll come home. And I'll I'll shower, get ready for the day, and I'll have a longer period of meditation at that space there. I meditate before I leave the house because I believe that just as you take an external shower, you have to take an internal shower. You can't go out with vibrational stench. So you can't just rush out into the world to an appointment if you're not connected to your real self because People will end up meeting your worries, your doubts, your fears. They'll be meeting prejudices. They'll be meeting unresolved issues with your parents or friends or coworkers. You don't want people to meet that. You want people to meet your encounter with the divine. So I make sure I, you know, we take, a, take an inner shower before I leave the house. And that's just my beginning day. So throughout the course of the day, you know, we'll come to the office here. We'll, as a staff, we'll stop and have a moment of connection of prayer. And I'll stop frequently throughout the day and just breathe, restart my life with a sense of connection. And and then at the end of the evening, before I go to sleep, I sit back in that same spot and kind of count my blessings and give thanks for the day and then open myself up to having an encounter. And then when I go to sleep, I'll, I'll say something along the lines of, even as I'm sleeping, 
I'll say something along the lines of, let me be an instrument of peace or something along those lines. Depends on what I'm interested in before I go to bed. So from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I try to stay conscious. Try not to fall back to sleep. And I'm telling you this, but it's it's just part of my life over so many years of practice that it's not like may sound like a lot to people, but it's just part of breathing. You know? Mm. Like right now I'm talking to you, but I'm aware I'm aware that my body's breathing. You know. Mm. I love the inner shower. That's really beautiful and a really nice visual. I'm curious, what type of meditation do you do? Do you do breath meditation or is there a mantra that you use? Primarily, it's my own version of the Vipassana meditation. I watch my breath, but primarily I establish an intention to realize my oneness with life, my oneness with God. So I have an underlying intention. And then I watch the breath. And then after a period of time, I'll actually move into affirmative prayer. I'll allow the meditation to be a kickoff point to actually speaking the word for myself, my, my growth development unfoldment, for anyone that I'm holding in prayer for the day, for the spiritual community, or if there's any current events that have caught my attention. And then I will embrace my fellow humans in a way that is uplifting for the beings that I know about. Beautiful. What are three things you're most recently grateful for today? <laughs> you know, I, I live in a, a, a perpetual state of gratitude. So I would say one, tremendous support. I have individuals around me that are very supportive, not only of me, Michael, but the supportive of the vision that we're seeking to manifest here as a spiritual community. Individuals who have given tirelessly of their time, their attention, their substance, their ideas. I was with some last night in a board meeting, and they're all volunteers. And, uh, and so it's, it's just, I look around, I'm just so, so, very, so very grateful, so very thankful. I'm thankful for, the, the, again, my, 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 uh, my family that's in my life. And, and one of the reasons why I'm thankful, because I know of so many families who, brothers and sisters that don't talk to each other, you know, there, there's a, a fissure between their hearts. And I look at my son and daughter, and even though they're like nine years apart, I guess, they're like best friends, you know what I mean? And they love and support each other. And they're down for each other in a very powerful way. And that makes me feel really good that they're, they're like that for each other, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that right now I'm extremely healthy, very vibrant, very strong, and I'm able to hold a lot of energy to do the work that's appointed for me to do. Mm, beautiful. So lovely. Now I've got three little rapid-fire questions for you. Are you ready? Go right ahead. <laughs> what is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Right now, make sure you're drinking enough water, good, clean water. Most people are dehydrated. So you want, to, you want to stay hydrated. You want to do some kind of anti-gravity exercise. You don't have to do heavy weightlifting, but something because of gravity is kicking your butt 24-7. So you want to do something that counters that, and you want to do some type of flexibility exercise program, whether it's yoga or something along those lines. And you want to, you want to make sure that you're eating living foods 
so that the body is not burning the pancreas out by producing enzymes to constantly break down dead food. So you want to eat a lot of living food so that you're, you're keeping your body very, very, very healthy. So if, in fact, we're staying hydrated and we're exercising and we're, we're paying attention through prayer and meditation and establishing good intentions every single day, you'll stay pretty much, you stay pretty much in the vibration of health, along with detox. You got to detox. We're in a, a toxic environment with all of the uh, electricity and all of the mobile phones and all the stuff that's around us, all the pollution. We have to detox our body temples as well. Mm, absolutely. All right. What is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Two things. One, you have to establish the feeling tone of having. You have to actually wake up, scan your awareness. Instead of looking at what you don't have, you have to look at what you do have and you want to give thanks for it. And when you're feeling that vibration of having, you want to multiply that feeling. You want to take a deep breath. You want to amplify the feeling of having. So you never leave your house wanting. You leave your house every day feeling that you have more than enough. And then you want to stabilize that feeling by generosity. You want to ask, what can I give today? And so the hands of the givers are never empty. The universe will not allow givers' hands to be empty. So if you're feeling that you have, and then you ask, how can I give? Then you're, you're on your way to permanent prosperity and abundance. Beautiful. And what is one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our life? You, you have to bring love to relationships. You're not trying to get love from relationships. So one of the things I teach is if it is difficult for you to be by yourself, to be alone, then you'll be dangerous when you are with people. So you have to find moments of being alone and then falling in love with what God has made as you. So that you're actually in a love affair with the presence by yourself. Then when you're with people, you're not trying to get something from people, thus causing resistance, animosity, or un unconscious resistance. You're actually there to share, you know, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a work relationship, a collaboration, a love interest. You're not there trying to extract love from it, which creates resistance. You're actually bringing more and more and more of the lover, the giver, to the relationship. So if you can't be by yourself, then you're dangerous when you're with other people. So notice if it's difficult being by yourself and you have to use other people to make you happy, that's like drinking salt water. You get more and more thirsty and you, get, you develop an addictive personality. You start to become a, a stalker. <laughs> and so become by yourself, fall in love with who you are, then be with people mm. and you'll find a lot of love in your life. Beautiful. This has been so powerful and amazing, and I'm so grateful for your time. Is there anything else that you want to share with us? Well, I just want to just remind people that they can go to agapelive.com and find out whatever's going on with me or with the community, A-G-A-P-E-L-I-V-E.com. And they can, they can even live stream me every Sunday. They can actually watch me live teaching every Sunday. I do a way of meditation service at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and then another service at 9, another one at 11.30, preceded by a meditation service half hour before that. I got meditation retreats, classes, as you indicated, books. <laughs> I would just tell people, you know what? They are significant. Everyone that's listening to me, I want you to know you matter. 
This presence doesn't do do-overs and this presence doesn't make mistakes. So you are significant. You matter. You're important. And you have everything within you to make a mighty difference on the planet and to have a sense of sufficiency around prosperity, around love, around peace. It's all within you. So now you just want to participate in your own unfolding and watch it manifest with an ease, a grace, and a dignity. I think that's all I got to say. Mm, Beautiful. Absolutely. And we will link to everything that you've mentioned in the show notes so everyone can go there and grab everything. And I highly recommend live streaming into one of your services. I've been there in person and it was amazing. My husband and I were standing up, dancing, singing. Like Uh, it was so much fun. So I'm so grateful. Next time I'm in LA, I will definitely be coming again. But if you aren't in LA, check out the live stream. It's really beautiful and so powerful and so much fun. Just if they forget agapelive.com, they can always go to michaelbeckwith.com as well. That and and you'll you'll find it there as well. Yeah, perfect. I'll link to everything. I'll put all of this in the show notes as well. But like we mentioned before, you know, we both agree that our purpose is to be of service. And I want to know what I can do and the listeners can do to serve you today. How can we serve you? Wow, that is a beautiful question. I would pass the word. I let people know about Agape. Let people know that they can come in, whether they are near or far, and participate. And they can they can support the community with donations, with prayer, with love, and support themselves through dynamic spiritual practices that we teach. Just spread the word. That would be of great service to not only Agape, but it would be great service to humanity. We will do that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Michael. It has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you and to feel your energy all the way from LA. I'm so grateful for all the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. And I'm so, so, so grateful. Melissa, thank you for the work you're doing and all the people you're touching by you living your purpose and following your path to your mission. Thank you so much. What a beautiful man. I loved today's conversation so much. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Michael and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 159. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. Another thing I wanted to mention before I go is that if you haven't got my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex, All you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And when you're there, you will also get access to my free open wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave your review right now. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You seriously 
rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.